What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 22 of The Deep Ball. I'm your host, Anthony Palillo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lichtman. Corey, how's it going today? You know the vibe. Everything, everything's going good. How about you? Yeah, it's going great, Corey. Can't complain. We're talking football. We're talking free agency. And, I mean, we're going to start it off with our second part of free agency last week. Of course, on last episode, episode 21, we discussed uh, like the first couple days of free agency. But the second half of free agency, Corey, has been real good to me. Because the New York Giants, Dave Gettleman, he finally figured out how the salary cap works. He finally figured out that he could maneuver some money around. And this guy, Dave Gettleman, went Christmas shopping, Corey. He knows that his job is probably on the line. And what does he do? He goes out and pays Kenny Galladay. He pays Adoree Jackson. He pays Kyle Rudolph. I mean, those are three guys who should be big impact players to this Giants team. And, Corey, I'll let you explain first because I'm going to, you know, you're going to get Giants bias out of me. Do you think the Giants' moves over this past week has put them over the top in the NFC East? You're not going to like my answer. I'm not going to put them as the clear-cut favorites to, to win the NFC East after the moves they made. Yeah, Gettleman did a great job. I definitely think it makes the team a lot better, signing Kenny Galladay, getting like a legit wide receiver one where like your other receivers you have were good, but not like not really wide receiver one-esque, and I think those guys are able to fall back into a role more They were be- more where they belong, no disrespect to them. And Adore Jackson, definitely a talented player out of USC. I like that move. Kyle Rudolph adding some tight end depth along with Evan Ingram. So, yeah, I think it definitely makes them a lot better of a team, but I'm not going to say they're the, the, the clear-cut favorites. I still think I like Dallas – if Dak plays, I know they they just signed Keanu Neal. I know they have some holes. And I don't know. I think Washington is also on the come up. So I don't want you to think I'm a Jets fan. And I'm hating on your Giants. But I, I'm not. I, I still don't think it puts them over the top in, in the NFC East. No, com- completely fair. I also don't think that this necessarily like you could go right in Sharpie now and go put the Giants as 2021 NFC East division champions. I just think that. The Giants, like, I personally think now that the Giants have that roster to compete. I think last year, especially in a couple games, like that game against the Ravens, I know specifically with the Giants, it just looked like from a personnel standpoint, the Giants were just outmatched. And, like, Dave Gettleman has to get the right guys. And he brought in some marquee talent. Like you said, too, this kind of, the move with Kenny Galladay, getting him as a number one receiver, it's not only going to help Daniel Jones with Kenny Galladay, it's going to open up so much stuff for guys like Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. Because now these guys are going to see your number two and your or your nickel corner. And it's like it, it's going to help them out a lot, you know. Like they're going to they're going to be able to win their matchups a lot easier. Hopefully, Evan Ingram too with Kyle Rudolph gives you more of a we can run a little more two tight end. I know the Giants didn't run a ton of it last year, but hopefully that helps the run game. I know Saquon Barkley's coming back off that torn ACL, so that's something that got to keep an eye on. But um, yeah, Corey, we talked about this a couple weeks ago too. Uh, I know you this is the episode you weren't on, but like now, especially with all the moves that the Giants made, do you think now, like, it's now or never for Daniel Jones? Yeah, I do think it's now or never for Daniel Jones. Uh, I think he's going to be in his third year as a starter. I mean, he's shown some progress, but I think his numbers have still been probably not really above average. And I think adding Kenny Galladay and on the offensive side, even Kyle Rudolph, you're getting two. Two weapons who, in their career, have prone, um, shown to be high-level players, Galladay more than Rudolph. But, yeah, that allows, like I said earlier, guys to, to fall back into their roles like Shepard and Slayton. So I think, yeah, Daniel Jones got to step up this year and uh, prove why he was a, a top-ten pick. And, yeah, I, th- I do think it's now or never for Daniel Jones, on the Giants at least. Yes, I agree. A lot of talent there with Daniel Jones, but it's just that kind of seemed like last season, even with – you know, the shortened off season, then you had a new system. He didn't quite like see it. Like, he didn't take that next step that some were expecting. So I think this year with the free agency, now it's like there's no more excuses if you ask me. Like last year, you kind of had the, oh, the offensive line wasn't great. With the offensive line, still needs to be addressed a little bit. I hope they draft somebody early, maybe in the first or second round. But I think now the spotlight's on Daniel Jones. It's like, all right, it's your time. Kind of Dave Gettleman, I think, was in that same predicament going into the offseason. He stepped up to the plate. He knew that if he struck out this offseason, and the Giants go 6-10 and 10 this year, 6-11 and 11 if there's a 17-game season. I still am never going to get used to that. But he's probably, he's probably fired. So he stepped up to the plate. He gave 
Daniel Jones, hopefully what he needs to succeed. And I hope Daniel Jones can um, overcome kind of like kind of the little bit of regression that he had last year and really become the future of the Giants at the quarterback position. Because, I mean, listen, it's also a feel-good story. I mean, the guy was getting absolutely booed on his draft day. And, I mean, to be honest, didn't deserve it at all, man. It's not his fault that he went sixth overall. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you could also look back at it right now. Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback that I guess a lot of Giants fans wanted at the time. Dwayne Haskins would have gotten torn apart in the in the New York media. Like, he was immature in Washington. How immature could it have gotten in New York? Like, it would have been a disaster. Drew Locke doesn't look anything special. I think you can honestly argue, I personally think Daniel Jones is a better player than Drew Locke right now. I know Drew Locke has a little more, like, flair to his game. But, like, Drew Locke is, like, I don't know, he's very inaccurate. And the Broncos are also even talking about moving on from him already this year. So it's not like he's proven to be the, like, franchise savior in, savior in Denver. So, yeah, clock is definitely ticking for Daniel Jones. But I think the Giants this offseason, like I said, started slow, got me real nervous. But at the end, Dave Gettleman came through. And then more on their defense now. I know they definitely still need to kind of replace Dalvin Tomlinson. They kind of signed, they re-signed like one of their defensive linemen, but I don't think it's enough. I think maybe they'll probably, again, maybe like a mid-round pick with a D-lineman. They have like B.J. Hill in-house. But uh, this giant secondary core is looking real good now. Now you got at corner, you have James Bradbury, who was just a pro bowler last year. Seems like a real good free agent signing. Adoree Jackson is one of those like younger free agent signings that you hope that, because the Giants did overpay for Adoree Jackson. They're paying him $13 million that a lot of people probably don't think he's worth it. But it's that hope that if he gets into the Giants system, he could take that Bradbury next step kind of and develop into this maybe Pro Bowl caliber corner. Because, I mean, look, the guy's a first-round pick, hell of an athlete, was a receiver at first at USC, played was a return specialist. And then at safety, the Giants got Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney. I mean, Corey, you think this defense could uh, like remain like a top-10 defense, even be a top-5 defense? Yeah, I think this defense proved last year that – they're pretty legit. Uh, the game against, like, Seattle, they, they played really well. And they had obviously had other games where they played terrific. Also, yeah, I think this defense is legit. Adding a Dore Jackson as a, as a number two corner to, to tag along with James Bradbury, who had a terrific season coming over from Carolina. Yeah, I definitely like their their secondary right now. James um, Jabril Peppers, yeah, Logan Ryan. Xavier McKinney, second year, he'll probably – I think he'll definitely take his game to another level. He was injured for, for some of the his rookie season. So, yeah, definitely like what this Giants team's doing on defense also. And, yeah, definitely I think the Giants are on the come up. But I just think the the Cowboys getting back Dak, the, the Redskins on the come up. I think the NFC East is going to be a lot improved next year amongst the, those three teams. I, I'm not sure what the Eagles are. But, yeah, definitely the NFC East next year. I think those three teams that I named definitely have leveled up. So, I expect uh, NFC East to be improved. Listen, I think you could argue that for sure that like the NFC East is not like the best division in football. Like there are there are better divisions of football, but I mean it's going to be real competitive. Like I feel like all three teams are like pretty equally likely if you act like you know what I mean. Like I, they're very like on the same field. Like none of those teams are really a step up than the other. I guess the hope is that Galladay and Jones can take that next step and kind of like separate the Giants a little bit. But who knows? You could say the same thing for Washington with Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel now that their offense takes a step up, their defense keeps killing it, that they just took that next step, and they're kind of like a hair ahead. But um, one last thing with the Giants core. Last week, we did like our free agency winners and losers, and we had like the Patriots and Washington as two of the teams that were winners in free agency. Would you now catapult the Giants into a winner of free agency? I definitely put them in as a as a winner. As you look at their team, they've definitely improved on on both sides of the ball. So I, I classify that as a as a winner. I'm not gonna put them as like the overall number one winner in all the free agency. But uh, if you're gonna say winner or loser for the Giants, I, I'll give them a winner. And if I get, if I was gonna give them a grade on their free agency, I'd probably give them anywhere from I give them a solid A minus. I give them like an A minus for for their grade this offseason. So, yeah, definitely I think they're a winner. Core, I'd love to hear that. I think the Giants could solidify, hopefully, in your mind. I, I know in my book, I'd, I'd probably say the Giants, same thing about an A-. I think maybe you overpaid a Dory Jackson a little too much. Interesting, too, you decide you don't pay Diamond Tomlinson, but then you pay guys like Kyle Rudolph and a Dory Jackson. Besides the point, I think if the Giants go out 
in the draft and get Micah Parsons to play next to Blake Martinez and uh, blitz even off the edge of the Giants defense and the Giants in general hopefully can make this playoff push because it feels good to be a New York Giants fan, especially this past week and uh, what Joe Judge is cooking there. But enough being a homer. We'll move on to some guys core who are returning home, not necessarily the Giants. We got, we'll start with Chris Carson. Chris Carson was a free agent for Seattle this year. They bring him back to about two years, 14 mil. They can get up to 14 mil. Corey, you think that Chris Carson should go back to Seattle? Like, I'll actually, I'll, I'll stay with this one first. I thought like Chris Carson, like I didn't really, I can't really see Chris Carson playing anywhere else. I know he's not like this guy who's been in Seattle for like eight years. I don't know. I feel like he's like a pretty good fit in Seattle. Like it would have, it would have felt weird if you asked me seeing Chris Carson in another jersey. So I, I kind of like Chris Carson returning to Seattle. What about you? Yeah, I like him going back to Seattle. I think he's he's um seventh round pick, and yeah, they've taken a chance on him. He, he's been successful when he plays. I honestly, I'm a pretty big fan of him. I just like how he runs and stuff like that. He's a hard worker. So yeah, I think he's he, he's done well in Seattle. He hasn't. He's not the reason why this team has been coming up short. I mean, it's the whole team, but, like, he's not, like, obviously one in particular. So, yeah, I definitely like him going back to Seattle for another two years. And given uh, – the thing is, like, they're – you might say they come up short, but, I mean, there's not – you can't look at that many teams and be like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna win a Super Bowl. Like, that's only, like – right now, obviously, only the Bucks, Chiefs, maybe, like, the Packers, teams like that. Like, they're not, like – Seattle's a good team, so I think he's in a good position. He liked where he was. So, yeah, I think it uh, smart for him to go back to Seattle. Yeah, uh, hopefully, too. Seattle kind of moved, like, their offense. It seemed like they were going to – they kind of let Russell Wilson improvise a lot more, and it kind of caught up to them last year towards the second half especially. Maybe they go back to kind of in 2019 where they were running the ball a lot, very run-oriented approach, and Chris Carson gets even more work. Like I said, only two-year contract. So it's not like they just paid him a lot of money and now they're going to be worried about his usage, kind of like Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas last year. But yeah, good for Chris Carson. Like I said, I couldn't really see him anywhere else. Seattle, hopefully they can figure out Russell Wilson and make him happy because that's the team's only going to go as far as Wilson takes them. Uh, and then we got two receivers core returned home and we'll start. We'll start with your guy core, Juju Smith-Schuster. It wasn't one of your predictions, but you know what? It, like it wasn't one of your official predictions. But I'll count it as one of your predictions. So, you know, you, you got on the board with Juju. Uh, yeah, listen, he turned down more money from the Baltimore Ravens, which we'll get to a little later. But, yeah, Juju was somebody who I didn't see returning to Pittsburgh. Obviously, Pittsburgh was in salary cap hell. They had to get way under the cap. And, yeah, it's kind of evident, too. They, could, they only gave Juju a one-year deal. I know they have to extend T.J. Watt. Uh, with uncertainty at the quarterback position, I think it's a smart move by Juju. I don't think Juju's value, too, was necessarily, like, sky high, plus with the salary cap being lower this year. Uh, maybe the money wasn't as, like, like teams aren't as spending as much on receivers. So I don't think it's a bad idea for Juju here to take a one-year deal. Maybe kind of TV get back to, what was it, that 2018 form where it went for 1,400 yards. He's a pro bowler. Maybe re regain some of his value and hit the market next offseason with – um. Yeah, and hopefully a lot uh, with a larger salary cap. But yeah, what do you what do you think about that? See, I kind of got a little mixed opinions on this. I know you could tell, like I follow Juju on Instagram. You see how much he loves the city of Pittsburgh. So I was definitely like able to see him returning. And yeah, if he was gonna return, I think definitely smart on a one year deal. Because I mean, like I don't know about the cap space and stuff, but I would I don't think it would be very smart for him to sign like a multi-year deal with the Steelers. I personally would have liked to see him somewhere else, maybe like the Jets. It, you obviously know he's not going. Why would he go to the Ravens? Like, it's just weird for a guy who's who loves the Steelers so much mm -hmm. to just go to the, his, the rival and go to the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah, I, I don't uh, blame him for not going there. I don't know what other teams he could have went to. But personally, I would have liked to see him go somewhere else with like a developing young quarterback where he could, I still think Juju could be a wide receiver one. I think the year when he had AB, he wasn't really playing the slot, was he? He was playing more on the outside. And he moved, he moved around a little more that year. This past season was like, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure about 2019, but this past season, I know he predominantly was in the slot, like almost all year. Yeah. Every time I saw him, he was in the slot. So, I mean, 
I think he gets a lot of hate because he didn't really have a lot of yards and he does all these TikTok dances. But his role in the offense, like he had almost 100 catches, which I mean, he just like Ben's also not the quarterback he used to be. So, I mean, if he does, he clearly doesn't care what anyone thinks. He likes Pittsburgh. So that's good for him. But I would like to see him go to another team where he could have, I don't know, taken more deep threats, got more yards and I don't know, prove more people wrong and show that he's still a really good a really good wide receiver. He's still really young, but I just don't think in Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't, I don't see Pittsburgh being like a Super Bowl contender really. And I don't know. I personally would have liked to see him go somewhere else, but I know he likes the city of Pittsburgh, so uh, I respect his loyalty. Now, yeah, I kind of like alluded to the fact that like with the cap space and stuff, yeah, maybe it does make sense to take a one-year deal, but like it seems like he like he might have been better off taking a one-year deal at another place to maximize his value because I mean. Ben only got older, and, like, his usage in the offense, yeah, yeah, he might have had 100 catches, but, I mean, his average, like, went for five yards. Like, they yeah. just use him underneath. With Deontay Johnson and Chase, Play, Chase Claypool only going to get better, like, there's, it's, a, it's a loaded receiver room. Like, how good are your numbers really going to be on this one-year deal where it's like, like, if Juju has another year, like, kind of like last year, teams are going to be like, all right, like, now he's kind of proven now it's like three, now he's going to be three years removed from that big season that it's like, does he like have it in him? Like, that's not the juju that we're probably going to get. We're probably going to get the 800 yard, like a thousand yard receiver juju. We're not going to get this 1400 yard receiver juju. So that's one thing I think that maybe Pittsburgh wasn't, isn't the best spot for him to maximize his value. But look, you can't fault the guy's loyalty. And also I feel like that might go a long way in the locker room too. People are like people can get around that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he he clearly wants to be there in Pittsburgh. There's gonna be like no questions about like where Juju's like heart really is. There's gonna be no questions about like all like are you signing a contract extension because like I don't know he he kind of did them a favor. You know what I mean? Like coming back, taking a pay cut, and uh, like just no, like he want he did he post something on Instagram too that he said something like Pittsburgh's my city or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he said like I'm I'm home or something like that. So. Good, good for him, man. That's, that's what we do. We talk about the homers, Corey. You know what I mean? We love the feel-good story. Everybody's welcome that their home. Juju found his home temporarily in Pittsburgh, and he delays free agency for another year. Another guy who did that same exact thing, T.Y. Hilton. And Corey, I know I said it with Chris Carson, but if T.Y. Hilton – like, T.Y. Hilton's a Colt, man. Like, it, it's, it would have seemed very weird to see T.Y. Hilton on another team. But good for T.Y. Hilton. Been a little uncertainty at the quarterback position these past couple years. But hopefully with Carson Wentz, uh, T.Y. can maybe become a little bit like he was a couple years ago where he was this deep throw receiver. He came on real late in the end of the year last year. I, I had a real good finish to the season. But, yeah, I think T.Y. still got some gas left in the tank. Another guy who took a pay cut to return home. He said that he, he could have gotten more guaranteed money um, from another team. I was reading about that, but he didn't take that offer. Probably the Ravens, honestly, because they were big on him. So, yeah. How do you feel about T.Y. going home? Yeah, like you said, T.Y. Hilton's just been on the Colts for so long, and, he, and he's got he's had such great seasons with them. He's getting a little older. I really couldn't see him going anywhere else. And bringing in Carson Wentz with that loaded defense, with that really good defense, a good running game, I, I, I would have stayed in, in Indianapolis if I'm him, so I don't blame him. He's got 10 mil. I mean, he's made a lot of money in his career. So, I mean, 10 mil, pretty good. One year deal, smart when he's when he's not not the youngest guy anymore. So, I think this Colts team could could compete in the AFC. So yeah, I definitely think it's a smart move for him, him to stay in Indianapolis. Yeah, and I think from a Colts standpoint too, definitely a good move. I mean, they had a lot of cap space and they really have not used it. I know in this next coming year they have to extend uh, Quinton Nelson. Brandon Smith, their right tackle, and Darius Leonard. Those are three all pros who they're going to have to extend, so they're probably going to have to pay a lot of money to do that. But, yeah, they definitely need another receiver. I mean, I think Pascal's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. So then you have, mm-hmm. I think, like Michael Pittman Jr. You still have, but now yeah. you bring T.Y. Hilton. Maybe early you go look to draft their receiver. They still need a left tackle as well. But, I mean, first two rounds, you go left tackle, receiver. That Colts team looks real complete. So good for T.Y. Two guys core who did not return home. Uh, two guys with the last name, two, same last name. I thought it was pretty funny. I did not even realize when I was writing this down. We'll start with we'll start with Will first because uh, he signed first. Will Fuller takes his, packs his bags and takes a trip down to Miami. 
where he signed a one-year deal for just over $10 million. My prediction, I predicted Will Fuller to go to the Colts. I still think Will Fuller would have been a great fit for the Colts. But yeah, Tua finally gets a weapon. I think that in, a, in the wide receiver room with a guy like Devontae Parker, I think if you throw in Will Fuller and then if Miami wants to get crazy and take Jamar Chase at number three or Devontae, I, I think right now taking that Devon, Jamar, Jamar Chase, excuse me, will be the first receiver off the board. I think you have a receiver room of Jamar Chase, um, Will Fuller, and Devontae Parker. That could be real special. Even if they take another receiver too in the draft, they take they trade back and take uh, Smith or Waddle. I think you put one of those rookies with Fuller and Parker. Tua's got some weapons out there. Yeah, this this Dolphins team this past year, if there was one thing that wasn't their strong suit, it was probably offense. So I think with the second year quarterback, looks like Tua's going to be their guy going into the season. Unless some bizarre trade happens, I think surrounding Tua with another weapon in, in Will Fuller is definitely definitely a smart move by the by the Dolphins and Will Fuller. I mean, one year deal with the Dolphins, chance to potentially be like the number one wide receiver, probably going to be over him and Devontae mm-hmm. Parker, even if they draft a guy like I just think, yeah, it's a good move for him on a team. Up and coming, he does well with them. I don't know, maybe he resigns with them for a multi-year deal. So I definitely liked it both both ends because I know the Dolphins need weapons and Will Fuller. I mean, what, how, how much money did he get? He got like ten million. Yeah, ten. Ten point five. Yeah, it's pretty good. So one year deal. Yeah, I like the move for both teams. Yeah. Yeah, listen, Will Fuller is like a dog. I like I love Will Fuller, man. This guy, like even when he was playing with DeAndre Hopkins, like the talent was always there. First rounder out of Notre Dame. But got like a lot of injuries with him, couldn't really stay on the field. And then he finally goes an injured free season. He was having a real good year in mm-hmm. Houston. And then he gets suspended for PEDs. He's gonna be suspended for the first game of this season. But yeah, I think that Wolf Fuller then taking this one year deal, maybe the market obviously didn't mature as well as he would have liked. But like that's another guy that like who like kind of like has a little bit of concerns. You know what I mean? Like I don't I think Wolf Fuller like Maybe Will Fuller's played in what he's been in the league, I think, five years now. He's probably played 16 games in the season once. Obviously, this past year he didn't get injured, but a lot with a lot of injuries with the suspension. So definitely a guy who's hoping that he could stay healthy, um, not what you would call it, stay clean as well, and then uh, maybe score a multi-year deal. Because yeah, I think in Miami with Tua could be a could be a real weapon for them, and hopefully put their offense to a point where they could compete with other playoff teams but uh we'll go to the other fuller the more accomplished fuller kyle fuller i believe he's been in all he's been a ton of pro bowls uh been in all pro before as well i believe he's going back to denver going to denver reuniting with vic fangio who used to be the defensive coordinator for the chicago bears one year just under 10 million dollars uh i kind of love this move for denver i know denver also signed ronald darby earlier in the offseason it looked like at pick nine Denver was definitely going to take one of the corners, either Caleb Fairley or um, Pat Sertan. But bringing in Darby, bringing in Kyle Fuller, they re-up Justin Simmons as well in their secondary. That defense is real good in Denver. Obviously, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. But, yeah, Corey, what do you think about this move? Yeah, I like it. Bolstering, um, upbringing their, their secondary. Kyle Fuller, still a good corner. Was was really good in Chicago. Just had to let him go because – the cap space. So I think Denver is kind of like a really sneaky team. I think, yeah, their defense is always good. And they, they got some weapons on offensive side. Right now you got Melvin Gordon at running back. So I, 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 I think Denver is a team. If one team could go for like Deshaun Watson, I think if Denver got Deshaun Watson, they, they would make things real interesting. In the AFC, because I like their weapons. Cortland Sutton didn't even play all of last year. You got Jerry Judy. You got KJ Hamler. You, uh, I mean, Tim Patrick's pretty reliable. I'm probably forgetting someone, but I know they got some weapons. No, no fan. No fan, good tight end. Now, yeah, I think Denver's a sneaky team. I think, yeah, their one problem is Drew Locke, and he's kind of in the situation like other guys, like maybe like Daniel Jones. But I think Drew Locke has more to work with, even with the Giants getting Kenny Galladay, but... Going back to, to Fuller, obviously I like that that pickup. Their secondary looking pretty good. I like Justin Simmons. Just signed him long term. So yeah, Kyle Fuller has been an All Pro in the past. He he's made the playoffs on on the Bears. So 
Yeah, I definitely like that signing. Yeah, man, you're like reading my mind because I was just about to talk about like, yeah, Denver is Denver's got a sneaky roster, man. Like Denver was big in that Matt Stafford sweepstakes, and it makes me think like if Denver would have gotten Stafford, like I think they definitely have a playoff roster. There's no doubt about it, if you ask me. Uh, Garrett Bowles, another guy who they just like signed like the past year because he had a great year at left tackle. Um, yeah, man, they got they got weapons on offense. They did lose Philip Lindsay, still have Melvin Gordon though, and obviously Vic Fangio, a defensive-minded head coach, and he's got a lot to play with now on defense. So yeah, let me tell you, that is a loaded division to the AFC West. Obviously, the Chiefs are above everybody, but now you got Denver, Justin Herbert's rising up with the Chargers, who are another real good team, and the Oakland Raiders. I don't really know what they were doing this offseason because if you ask me now, like I think the Raiders are the worst team in that division where like if they would have had a good offseason, if you ask me, they're probably like they, they were just in the playoff hunt this past season. So that's going to be a real good division in the AFC West. I think you could argue that it is probably one of the better divisions in football along with the NFC West. But be interesting to see how big of an impact Kyle Fuller could have on Denver and potentially maybe Denver – shock some people they try to move up in the draft or they take one of the quarterbacks because everybody it seems like wants a quarterback this year so who knows what's going to happen with that but um moving on to kind of more of a storyline that we've and an observation that we've noticed during free agency we kind of alluded to it a little earlier the baltimore ravens core have been real quiet this offseason i think the, the only guy like big impact signing that they really had is kevin zeitler and they signed him i believe for i just signed him for a couple of years actually but um yeah, they lost Matt Judon. They lost Yannick, Ngak- Yannick Ngakwe. And they strike out on Kenny Galladay. They strike out on Juju and T.Y. And there was reports that Juju and T.Y. passed on more money than more money to go to the like they, they returned home for less money than the, what the Ravens were giving them. I don't know why that was so difficult to spit out. But you think that it's kind of like a problem that like no receiver really wants to go to Baltimore. I don't think it's a problem because I, I they struck out on Kenny Galladay, which I, I mean Kenny Galladay chose the Giants, but I mean no offense to the Giants, the Baltimore Ravens pro- are are a better team. So I mean if he wants to win, he should have went to the Ravens. But I don't know what's going on there. But the fact that he struck out on Juju, that's that's just like like I don't see him going to the Ravens from the Steelers and T.Y. Hilton just in a good situation. Like I just didn't think he was going to go. I mean. Them striking out on, on Kenny Galladay may be a little concerning, but, I mean, you, you can't – it's hard to – that's the only one I think they had a legit chance with. Like, I don't see Juju going anywhere. I don't see – I mean, if Juju was going to go anywhere, I don't see him going to the Ravens. I don't see T.Y. Hilton going anywhere. Kenny Galladay was the only one they, they legitly struck out on, in my opinion. Like, he was the only guy who had a chance. Like, he was leaving the Lions, and, and they lost to the Giants, which – a team they they probably should be able to beat out for a top wide receiver like that. So, no, I don't think it's concerning with Juju and Hilton, but maybe a little bit with with Kenny Galladay that they, he chose the Giants. Maybe he just wants that New York market. He wants to play in, in New York. So, overall, I don't really think it's that concerning. I just think the Ravens aren't improving while a lot of teams in the AFC are. So that's the that's the concerning parts of me not that they can't sign a wide receiver because obviously they, they can just they struck out on Kenny Galladay but I think the concerning part is they're not leveling up while everyone else is mm-hmm. that and definitely interesting too because it seems like Baltimore obviously they were 14 and two uh two seasons ago this past season they won a playoff game they're still 11 and five obviously they have a four like Lamar Jackson just won MVP two seasons ago as well but I think it kind of is a little concerning core that like I just don't think a receiver like a lot of receivers really like kind of want to like swallow their ego a little bit and like go play in Baltimore because you're probably like you're in a run centric offense that you're probably going to run the ball 65% of the time. So if you're signing a one year deal in Baltimore, I think that's not a good idea because your numbers are just not going to be as good as if you go sign a one year deal in a place like I'm anticipating like Jacksonville this next season because Jacksonville is going to be trailing almost in every single game probably because their defense still isn't there yet. And you're going to have Trevor Lawrence throwing you the ball. So you know what I mean? You're going to get a lot of like garbage time stats. So your numbers are going to look a lot better in Jacksonville than your numbers would look in Baltimore when you're leading a lot of the time and running the ball. So that does scare me a little bit. I definitely think that like means that Baltimore has to overpay for a lot of receivers, which maybe they're not willing to do, but Something that I, I, I think that 
it definitely is a little interesting because, like, you, it's like Marquise Brown, too, is going to be a free agent in a couple – like, I don't know if they're – what is it? Marquise Brown's what, been in the league? Oh, this is second year. So he's, he's still got a couple years, but, like, Marquise Brown is a guy that I think if he went into, like, more of, like, an open offense could be a real threat and, like, I think maybe could emerge as a potential number one wide receiver on a team. But in Baltimore, I just don't see it as much. But, yeah, well, you kind of also mentioned, too, just, like, in general, like, with Lamar Jackson, too, still being on that rookie contract, like Baltimore should have really taken advantage, if you ask me, and started to spend this offseason because your Super Bowl window is like it's very small in the league. And it kind of seems like Baltimore's Super Bowl window has closed a little bit now. Obviously, two years ago, two seasons ago, it looked so wide open and it looked like they were going to continue to be this powerhouse in the AFC for five years. But then last year, they took a little bit of a step back. Obviously, they were dealing with a lot of stuff. They had a bad COVID situation as well. But yeah. I can't like I can say that a team like the Patriots got a lot better this offseason, but I like I think the Ravens did didn't get better this offseason, which I think is a big missed opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I mean the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They 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 signed Joe Thune, so I mean they definitely upgraded O line. The the Bills The Bills brought everybody back. Yeah. I know they brought back their right guard. They brought back Matt Milano. I can't think who the Bills added. The Bills added somebody. They did add something. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what they did. Because they cut John Brown. Didn't they add a receiver? Emmanuel Sanders? Emmanuel Sanders, that's who they added. Not a huge add, but, like, yeah. they re-upped that on certain things. Yeah. They didn't make, like I said, they didn't make a splash, but, like, you know what I mean? They yeah. did what they had to do, if you ask me. Baltimore hasn't even replaced their pass rushers yet. Yeah, and the Bills also beat the Ravens. Mm-hmm. In- in the playoffs last year. So like right now they are, I mean, they're a better team than them right now. And they, they didn't really do much, but they still did more than the Ravens. The Colts are bringing in Carson Wentz. Uh, the Dolphins bringing in Will Fuller, the Patriots are signing everyone in the, in the, the Ravens are just out here losing two, two, their, their two best defensive ends. And then not even signing any weapons. I definitely, yeah, they just maybe receivers look at Baltimore and I guess it's a pretty frustrating Pretty frustrating offense to be a wide receiver. You're you're not gonna get that many targets, and yeah, they just like to run the ball out with Lamar. It's a running offense. I guess it's pretty frustrating. Guys like Kenny Galladay, they don't, don't want to deal with that. They're Kenny Galladay getting his four year seventy two mil. I think he wants to be more involved in in an offense, and I think the Giants will be able to do that. I guess in 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 Baltimore, he knows like it's gonna be the, still like the Lamar show, a lot of running, and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to do that. So. Yeah, I did say it's not really concerning, but I guess when you have Lamar Jackson at quarterback who's just going to run all the time, it could be a little tough to attract, like, good wide receivers. Yeah, listen, I'm not trying to knock their style. I think, listen, their style is working on offense. I don't think they should change it at all. Like, I don't I don't see a, necessarily a problem with it. Listen, you win games in the NFL, very difficult to win it. Keep going. Like, I'm not trying to knock it. I just think that one of the fallbacks on that style of offense is that potentially your market like you're not you're just not an appealing market as for wide receivers but listen maybe they were saving this their that receiver hole to fill it in the draft there's a couple guys late first round that they could potentially go for a guy like I don't know how Kadarius Tony would really fit next to uh Marquise Brown they kind of built very similar but like Rashad Bateman I feel like a bigger bodied receiver would definitely I feel like fit well in a Baltimore offense so listen maybe they're targeting somebody like that maybe somebody like Terrence Marshall another bigger bodied receiver potentially with that late first round pick but yeah I think the Ravens definitely got to make a couple moves because it seems like there there are a lot of good teams in the AFC like we said the Colts you're saying the Colts got a lot better the Bills are beat the Ravens last year I know the Titans have kind of lost some holes, but, like, you know what I mean? They still got Derrick Henry. They still got A.J. Brown. I know they lost John Smith and Corey Davis. They're going to have to replace them, too. Another team has been a little quiet, but, yeah. Listen, I think the Ravens, I think they, they just they got to capitalize on this window that they have. Very small Super Bowl windows for teams, and they got to capitalize it. But moving on to something else that we wanted to talk about just a little bit, because we, really we, like, we don't like to be down on the deep ball. But uh, it has to be addressed. The Deshaun Watson saga and, like, what's been going on around it. I mean, I think now it's up to, like, 14 lawsuits have been filed against him. Like, 20-plus different women have come out and um, alleged claims about uh, sexual assault with Deshaun Watson. Uh, I really don't want to get into, like, the specifics on some of the stuff. But I do want to kind of talk about, like, how this – how, like, the NFL, I think, should approach it and, like, 
how this maybe affects certain teams that are looking at him. Because, I mean, Deshaun Watson right now, probably the most polarizing figure before all this stuff because he's saying that, oh, he doesn't want to play in Houston and he will he said that he will sit out before what you call before playing for them. If they don't trade him, look, do I think that necessarily all this is hundred percent accurate? I don't, but I also think that maybe Houston was protecting him because listen, he was their face of their franchise. He was their $40 million quarterback. And now that their relationship is kind of broken off a little bit, Houston's kind of like, all right, like we're not going to defend you anymore. We're not going to do this. So definitely something that needs to be figured out. I'm surprised that the NFL hasn't really stepped in, put them on like the commissioners of exempt list, like kind of like how, like like what's happened in like previous times before. I remember like, I'm pretty sure like Janoris Jenkins got put on it when like uh, his brother was like accused of, uh, whatchamacallit, when his brother like uh, murdered somebody and like Janoris Jenkins was a suspect in it. So definitely an interesting scenario, but more from a football standpoint, core, do you think now a team like the Jets or the Broncos or the Panthers can really like, be confident in making an offer with Deshaun and trading for Deshaun Watson right now uh, with what we know? I mean, I think with Deshaun Watson, I still I would still feel pretty confident making an offer despite what's going on. I'm not going to say I don't know what actually happened. So, yeah, like, like you said, I'm not going not gonna to say anything about that. But I don't know. I, I just don't see – Deshaun Watson really – you don't really know anyone when it comes to like this, but he just doesn't seem like a guy who's had like problems like this. I can't really tell, but I don't think teams who are in desperate need of a quarterback really are going to like shy away. If anything, I think they're going to try to use this. Maybe think like, oh, the, the Texans want to get rid of him. Maybe mm-hmm. they try to take it as like, oh, maybe we can get him for a little less than what we could have before the this scandal came out. I, I don't think those teams that you stated, like the Broncos, the Jets, like the Dolphins, teams like that, I don't think they're really shying away. I would I would still call above our them, maybe try to get them a little cheaper because this came out. That's that's my uh, takeaway from it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that if you're confident and you've done your due diligence around the situation, that, yeah, maybe you can get Deshaun Watson for a little cheaper because of this stuff. But I think at the end of the day, I don't think that you can – trot Deshaun Watson out as your quarterback unless like all of this has kind of cleared the air and like we said I mean we're not in the loop with anything like, you know what I mean we don't we don't know what's happened not a lot of people really do you know what I mean only only Deshaun Watson knows and all of the alleged victims really know so we're not going to watch them call it speculate on what happened with that but I think it's definitely a situation that needs to get cleared up because again just like the sheer amount of people like this isn't just like one or two claims you know what I mean this is like a bunch of people so I hope for the NFL's sake uh, and Deshaun Watson, it gets figured out because, listen, Deshaun Watson's an electric player, and it would just be a shame if something like this were to be true and, like, for, like, fans and something to lose, like, whatchamacallit, to, like, be kind of, like, not, like, robbed of it because, like, it would be justifiably, like, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, see, not seeing Deshaun Watson on Sundays would, like, it, it'd be a bump. Like, the fans would get a little hurt. You know what I mean? It, it stinks. Because he is so dynamic. And there's only so so many quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson in the NFL. No, yeah. Deshaun Watson definitely a superstar in this league. So, yeah, I think the fans definitely want to see him. And, yeah, I think no one wants to see – I mean, I hope Deshaun Watson gets proven innocent. I hope nothing actually happened with, uh, with the scandal and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely a, a dynamic – High highlighted player, so yeah, hopefully everything gets cleared out. And at worst, he's playing for Houston this season, and at best, maybe he gets traded somewhere. Just as long as he's playing, hopefully that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I hope, like I said, come 2021 week one, I hope to see Deshaun Watson on the football field. Hopefully, justice is served. Whatever necessarily necessary steps need to be taken, let them be taken. But enough with that core. We don't like we don't like to get sad on the deep ball, you know what I mean? So let's, let's switch up to more positive talk. And what more positive talk than the NFL draft talk? Guys whose dreams are going to become reality. And we'll kind of talk a couple with no combine. There's been these school pro days. We haven't talked a ton. We talked a little bit about Trevor Lawrence's pro day. I know Zach Wilson's pro day still is coming up uh, actually tomorrow, today, Friday. When you guys are hearing the episode, Zach Wilson will probably be starting his pro day, I'm assuming, because it's probably like, 
the local time there when this is uploaded, but whatever. But we'll talk about the Alabama Pro Day that just happened a couple of days ago. Uh, Core, I know you, you really want to talk about this. Devonta Smith weighed in at 170 pounds, and there's always been this stigma. People see Devonta Smith, they call him the Slim Reaper. I mean, the guy does look very skinny, uh, looks a little fragile, a lot of people could say, but you're kind of, you kind of have a strong stance on this, Core. Do you think that Devonta Smith's weight will be a problem and hold him back at the next level? No, nah, I, def- I don't think it will. I know he obviously did a big jump from from college to NFL, but I mean, he is really skinny. But he was so dominant. I, obviously, I'm saying the like college is way different from the NFL, but he's playing in the SEC, like the best conference in in all of college football. So he was dominating against cornerbacks, safeties who are gonna be first round picks in the draft so he, he dominated that level I'm not saying he's gonna dominate the same way he did in college he's, play, he's gonna be going against grown men now but I definitely expect him to to live up to most of the hype I also think it was cool that uh Stefan Diggs like backed him up says like he thinks it was impressive that he was the best so there's all love on that side so yeah I definitely think Devontae Smith will I don't see Definitely, like, guys pressing him and stuff. Like, you could put on a little bit of weight. So, but I definitely expect him to, to continue success at, at the next level despite despite being skinny in his weight. Yeah, listen, I hope him for the best for Smitty. I love. I also love that nickname. I need, like, Smitty. I wish my last name was Smith so they could call me Smitty. But um, besides the fact, I mean, yeah, the, like, the comparison that a lot of people have been throwing around, like Marvin Harrison, another slim receiver. And look how good Marvin Harrison was with Peyton Manning. So, I don't think it personally will be a problem like you kind of alluded to. It's not like he's playing in this cakewalk of a conference. He's going against SEC corners week in and week out who will probably eventually become NFL players. Now, I know like there's a complete difference between an NFL workout like program like and how strong you get from that compared to college. But, like, listen, it's, it's good preparation at least for him. Um, and it's also, I think, the biggest thing, too, it's not like Devonta Smith has, like, had an injury I think one of the things too is that kind of like the durability like if Devonta Smith is going and catching a crossing route across the middle and he gets lit up like he might get like he like you know what I mean like he's too he's he's smaller that like he might what's he's more prone to injury but like it's not like Devonta Smith has an injury history he played four years at Alabama and I'm not 100% sure I don't don't know if he missed a game due to injury like I know definitely the past two years he hasn't I know he got he broke his hand like broke a finger in the national championship game. But again, that's not like that's any receiver is going to do that. You know what I mean? That's not like just because he's 170 pounds. So yeah, like you alluded to Devonta Smith was just so dominant this year. I don't see that changing in the NFL. I don't necessarily know if he'll be the best receiver out of this draft class. I'm personally don't like, I personally am a little higher on Jamar Chase and maybe even his teammate Jalen Waddle. But yeah, I think Devonta Smith is going to be a great wide receiver and I hope the best for him because he was fun to watch. And like that national championship game, like everybody knew the ball was going to Devonta Smith. It just didn't matter. And like had tip your cap to uh, Sarkeesian, their offensive coordinator. But at the end of the day, I mean, just get the ball into a playmaker's hands and let him go make a play. And that's what they did with Devonta Smith. So hats off to him. But uh, there's been a lot of uh, controversy over the guy who was throwing to Devonta Smith this past year, Mac Jones. I know we didn't really mention this, but a couple a couple months ago now it is, I believe, De- Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle both said that they'd rather play with Mac Jones than Tua, which kind of like opened my eyes a lot because I, I'm very high on Tua. So for them to say that, that's high, very high praise for Mac Jones. But this past week, Mac Jones tested at the thing. He didn't test horrible, if you ask me. I, he ran like in the high fours as a 40, which I thought wasn't bad. I mean, he ran like faster than Patrick Mahomes. His, record, his unofficial time. Vertical jump, again, it was a little better than Mahomes. I think it was like 32 inches. But people have definitely looked at Mac Jones and kind of seen him as like this pocket passer, and he's not really mobile where the league is going. He's not necessarily the right fit for it. But listen, I think Mac Jones is one of those quarterbacks that I've talked about that I don't. I definitely think you have to surround him with talent, that he might not be this guy that can take over a game. But I think if you put Mac Jones with – complimentary pieces he has the potential to be a very very good nfl quarterback for a very long time yeah you're in the same direction that i'm going i was gonna say he's not one of those guys like you draft him third overall and are like go out there and and change our franchise like 
Yeah, he's probably mm-hmm. not like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, one of those guys. So, yeah, if you put him on a team like the Steelers, I know the Colts just got Carson Wentz, but, like, if they didn't get Carson Wentz and they went Mac Jones, I think he could thrive on a team like that. Like, I think he needs a pretty solid O-line and some weapons because, I mean, he's just not, like, as – I know you said he ran solid 40 times, like, better than Mahomes, but, like, when you watch him, he's just not that – mobile of a quarterback and I think but it, in the pocket like he he's really good very accurate so if you surround him with the pieces and put him on like a decent team like a late first round pick I I, I think he'll he'll succeed but if you put him on the Jets yeah he's, he's it might be a little bit of a struggle for him I think he needs to be on uh the right fit and uh like a good team to s- succeed yeah I, I don't think you can necessarily knock Mac Jones for like People are like, oh, I wouldn't take Mac Jones in the top 10 because, like, he, yeah, maybe he can't, like, elevate the players around him like the other four quarterbacks can. Because I even think Trey Lance has, like, you could put Trey Lance in that category with Fields, Wilson, and Lawrence that they give you that. Like, they kind of have, like, that it factor where Mac Jones may necessarily not have it. But, like, that's not Mac Jones's fault that they're talking about him going in the top 10. I think Mac Jones is worthy of a first-round pick as a quarterback. Now, would I wait? Would I take Mac Jones in the top 10? Probably not because of that thing. But, yeah, if I'm a team like – you mentioned Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's a little too late. But, like, I'm looking at New England at, like, pick 15. I think even necessarily a team like San Francisco, I necessarily wouldn't move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. But Jimmy Garoppolo is that type of quarterback, like, with similar mobility to Mac Jones. Like, there's not a lot of it. And Kyle Shanahan's had success before in the past with Kirk Cousins, which I feel like Mac Jones – like, I feel like a pretty good comparison is, like, I think Mac Jones has the potential to be, like, maybe a little higher ceiling than Kirk Cousins. But, like, yeah. And I don't think that, like, I think we maybe say that, like, Kirk Cousins might not win the big, like, the big game sometimes. But, again, I think you could say that if you put, like, real good pieces around Kirk Cousins, he could be, a, like, a pretty good quarterback. And he's shown in the NFL he's a very serviceable quarterback. I mean, he's gotten a ton of money in his career. He had a real good year last year with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, I don't necessarily think that Mac Jones deserves – like some of the hate that he gets because again, like it's not his fault, but I think that he definitely needs to go to the right system. And yeah, you also mentioned too, if, if Mac Jones, like if Mac Jones went to the jets and they were like, all right, buddy, figure this out. He'd get, it would be ugly. He'd be, he'd probably, honestly, he'd probably be out of the league way earlier than he should be because he would probably struggle a lot there. So put Mac Jones in the right system. I think he's got a real chance to thrive and be a steady quarterback. I feel like, you know what you're getting with Mac Jones a lot more than you may with even Justin Fields and a guy like Trey Lance. But we'll kind of wrap it up with two guys who weren't unfortunately able to participate. Two of Bama's big dogs, uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Waddle. I would have loved to see Jalen Waddle run the 40-yard dash, especially because with all these pro days, it's like every single person I feel like is running like a tenth of a second faster. Like I know I said Mac Jones on a 4-8. Mac Jones is not like does not strike me as a guy who would run a 4-8. I think Mac Jones would run closer to a 5 than a 4-8. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of these like, – like Michael Parsons had a crazy 42 at his pro day this past day. I don't get a little topic. Uh, like their other DM, like ja- uh, Jason Owa, I think is his name. He ran like a 4-3-5-40. So, like, I don't know how accurate without these lasers these pro day 40s are. So, I would have loved to take – like, Jalen Waddle probably would have ran a 4-2 unofficial 40, like, on the dot. But uh, we think about Najee Harris, core. Flight gets canceled. He wasn't planning on um, participating at Alabama's pro day. But he takes the nine-hour drive to Alabama like I feel like as a coach uh who's maybe like thinking about drafting Najee Harris I mean that just puts a smile on my face to see that dedication and kind of just like the love for his teammates because a lot of people in the interviews they can fake like how whatchamacallit how good of a teammate they are and like say how good of a person but I, I feel like that's like something that's like proof that like listen that guy like is beloved by his teammates and he loves to be around his teammates yeah I definitely heard him after the national championship when they were like, how did you, how did you like carve up this, this Ohio state defense so effortlessly? And it's like the way he talks, like sounds like a pretty funny, nice type of guy. And yeah, I saw he drove all nine hours to support his teammates at the Alabama, Alabama pro day. Like that's something you don't have to do, especially when you're, you're going to be, you're going to get drafted and you're not in college anymore. So, I mean, obviously you could be friends like your, your brothers, but, like something you don't have to do. So for him to drive nine hours definitely shows his dedication and like, like the love that he has with like, um, 
all his Bama teammates. So yeah, as a coach, that's definitely something you like to see. You like to see guys dedicated, and I think it shows. Like if you draft him, and shows you can count on him, like rely on him to do stuff. Like he's not, he's gonna be on time, like stuff like that. And just to go along, the guy was an absolute beast on the field. So yeah, I think he checks off a lot of the 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 marks to um, a good teammate. Obviously, a really good player. So. Yeah, I think the the future is really bright for for Najee Harris. Yeah, and listen, it's just the Bama way. Like, you want to see like, obviously, people like want to be like Bama, the powerhouse that they built in college football. And like, look at that. Like, you got guys driving to the pro day. I mean, even like a like last year. I mean, now like seeing something like that now, it doesn't surprise me. Like Najee Harris came back for his senior season, said declaring for the draft. Same thing with a guy like Devonta Smith. Like those two guys were probably were probably locked. Devonta Smith probably would have won the first round last year, like late first round, especially with all the receivers that were going. Najee Harris probably would have been like in that taken around where like Jonathan Taylor, maybe a little later than Taylor, but like probably before Cam Akers and stuff like that. So he would have been a second round pick. I know obviously he helped his value a lot. Obviously won a national championship too, which is the big thing, but it just goes to show you that brotherhood that Bama's built. And that's got to be a good feeling for a coach that wants to bring a guy in like their locker room. And you know, they, oh, I mean, one last thing with Najee Harris, like, I feel like it's so crazy that like, Najee Harris is going like into the NFL because like that's like one guy who like I remember like I'm like we're like freshmen in high school and I'm watching this guy's highlights on huddle and it was just unbelievable like the dominance like I feel like we say sometimes like when we see these guys retire it's like damn man like we grew up with those guys as they were like running the NFL now it's like Najee Harris was like up with him and like while I, while I was watching McCall while I'm playing football in high school and I'm watching Najee Harris's highlight tape and I'm like damn man that's why that like I wish I could run like Najee Harris over dominate like that imagine that but now look at him guys going to the NFL draft good good for Najee Harris I hope he's a first round pick and I hope he goes to a good system but that's gonna do it for today's episode Corey is there anything you'd like to leave off with mm, not really just uh hope everyone has has a good weekend and uh yeah we'll be back next week with um some some more some more stuff to talk about whether it's the draft free agency stuff like that just stuff around the league so yeah just hope everyone has a has a good weekend yeah definitely i know a couple weeks ago we kind of got cut off on our episode we talked about quarterbacks in the draft we'll probably recycle we'll probably recycle that and we'll talk about like everybody now we'll probably do our full draft overview coming up in next episode or in a couple weeks of course before the draft we're going to do a couple mock drafts too on the podcast so be sure to look out for that and of course we'll be covering any news that comes up in the league uh as we go in the coming weeks but uh that's gonna do it for today's episode be sure to check us out on the instagram at the deep ball underscore take care everybody have a good one